are you? Now, if you actually were to try to answer my question, you'd probably start out strong with I'm, and then you'd quickly falter. Try it yourself and see how clearly you can describe and define you. Well, if you're like most of us, you'll stumble over your words and your thoughts will try to arrange themselves in a nice straight line and march out one by one to paint us a picture of you. Just like the quick brushstrokes of a cartoonist sketching his most familiar characters. Think Charles Schultz drawing Charlie Brown or Snoopy. Well, let's talk today about identity, how you see yourself, how you think about yourself, and why it matters that you get this right. You know, there are so many voices telling you who you are as a woman. And in the realm of faith, in the Christian realm, they often don't simply tell, they dictate. And the noise is deafening and the counsel is confusing. So today and next week, we're going to talk honestly as Christian women about identity. I mean, Christian men think about it too, and they grapple with the topic, but probably not as many of them are tuned into this podcast. So I'm coming at this topic from a purely pink and a wholly biblical perspective. Get ready for some Christian girl talk. This is Divine Connections, a podcast about connecting the truth you believe to the life you really live. I'm your host, Kelly J. Grace, and this is Episode 14, Identity, Part 1, Discovering Who You Really Are. We begin with some biblical truth, because... I really want to share a single verse that defines the three most important things about our identity as Christian women. And I absolutely love it when the scripture takes the complex and makes it simple. When divine truth delivers real clarity in just a few sentences. So I'd like as an example for you to listen to how simply but how powerfully 1 Corinthians 4-7 lays out divine truth for us about identity. This is 1 Corinthians 4-7. For who makes you different one from another? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? So three simple questions. Um, another version says, for who makes you to differ one from another or for who makes you different from anyone else? So I like that contrast. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? So let's restate these three questions. Of all the things that make you uniquely you, Things like your outward appearance, your family, your background, the way your mind works, uh, your life experiences, and the people in your life. In other words, things like your body, your mind, and your circumstances. Who designed and set all of it in motion? I mean, who chose your eye and your hair color? Who decided how tall you'd be? Who made your brain and whatever else goes into things like your IQ? And even the way your mind processes information, 
Who set all that up? Who created, if you will, the hardware and the software that runs the current version of you? And then move on to things like your ethnicity. Who checked that box? Or who selected your parents and the country or even the town and city where you were going to be born? Who made that determination? Now, you could move on to your family experience, the values, the habits, and the things that you were exposed to as a child. Or how about things like your siblings, how your family celebrated holidays, where you went on vacation, the kids in your neighborhood, and the kids you went to school with, all of it. Because really, everything up to that moment has its roots in what happened to you in the womb and in your childhood. And those are all things, by the way, that you had no say in choosing. So, return to the first question. Who made you different from others? Who made you unique, even from your own siblings, even if you're an identical twin? You are different. Who put together all of the pieces of the puzzle that make you the you that you are? I mean... Maybe Dr. Seuss said it best. Today you are you that is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. So who made you the you that you are? I don't know if you listened to episode two of this podcast. It's an episode called You Are Fully Known Yet Completely Loved. And in that episode, we took a little look at Psalm 139. And in that psalm, we saw how King David took tremendous comfort in how deeply, how intimately, how thoroughly God knew him because God not only saw him deeply. I mean, he saw into his thoughts and knew his feelings, knew the words he would say before David knew what they were going to be. But God is the one who had made him, and David took tremendous comfort in that. So that's question one. Who makes you to differ one from another? And the answer is your heavenly father. That's who. Now, the next two questions are pointed questions designed to help us get to the heart of this matter, to help us draw the right conclusions about our identity. And they are, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as though you did not? Well, ouch. Now we feel the sharp tip of those pointed questions, don't we? I mean, for example... Are you beautiful? Are you very well proportioned with lovely features and glowing complexion? Do you have big, wide-set, beautiful eyes and long black lashes? Are you smart? Do you have a fabulous singing voice or are you incredibly athletic? Well, guess what? None of that is to your credit. God is responsible for those things and others find them admirable and desirable in you, but the credit really goes to God. I mean, were you raised by incredible, loving, and really what we would call effective parents? Did they provide you with a warm and loving family? 
and a nourishing atmosphere in your home? Did they support your early school experience and help you acquire an outstanding education? If so, maybe you have a very successful career that's really rooted and based on the things that other people helped you to both desire and to achieve. So again, we're going over and over again back to the maybe the desirable, the beneficial, the admirable things about you, and we're seeing the roots of all of that in decisions really that you didn't make, that God made and maybe others made for you. Let's move on and look at a broader picture. Have you grown up in a country that enjoys peace and prosperity instead of war and famine? Have you had enough to eat throughout your life and a safe place to sleep? Well, here again, it's the choices made by others and the possibilities extended to you that have kept you safe and well provided for. So if you're like most of us, though, you're not truly beautiful and you can't sing. (laughs) Maybe your parents did the best that they could, but truth be told, it wasn't an exceptional childhood. You had an okay home life. You were happy enough, but it wasn't what you would call a superlative experience. Maybe you've had a difficult time since your childhood, but you've survived. I mean, whatever your experience has been, the truth is that you received it. And because of that, you and I cannot claim credit and puff ourselves up about ourselves in any way. I mean, I said earlier, maybe you're incredibly athletic. Yes, you can work hard and develop athletic ability, but the fact that you had a strong body to start with that could be toned and trained, that's a gift from God. So, the first truth that we want to underline and and kind of really get set in our mind, the first truth about identity as Christian women is that our maker gets any and all of the credit and the praise for anything praiseworthy about us. Now, I know, I get that that runs against the grain of our kind of self-obsessed culture. The voices around us, they are always urging us to do things, I mean, strange things like manifest your own greatness. (laughs) I'm like, how how would you even do that, right? And then they want you to make sure that others know how you achieved it all by your own strength, by your own decision, by speaking the words yourself and calling it into being. You know, that is a trap that I call self-creation, and then it's followed up by the second course, self-promotion. And it's tempting to believe the lie that we can make ourselves, and then that we can make ourselves important, right? Those are, those are the lies of the culture around us. But you know, there is such a freedom in acknowledging the truth that everything we have and everything we are, we received. You and I don't have to be anything. I want to say that again. You and I don't have to be anything other than what our maker has decided we should be. 
I want you to take that in and just feel your soul relax into that truth. To exhale a huge sigh of relief that you don't have to be on this perpetual hamster wheel to become, to become. You are. You are what God has made you. The pressure is really off to be the new in thing, to constantly be trending with our culture as to how we look and what we achieve and how we spend our time and our money and how we eat or how we decorate for the holidays or where we go on vacation or how we adopt and structure our goals or how we measure our worth. The rat race of comparison and of conformity is not for us, ladies. It is not for us. I told you this is Christian girl talk. Well, this is it straight. God made each of us and he made us unique. And we don't get the glory and the praise for that. No, our heavenly father, though, has created each of us And the scripture says, we are a masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he has planned for us so long ago. Now, here's how the Apostle Paul reflected on that truth. And this is 1 Corinthians 15.9 and 10. Paul is speaking about himself. He says, for I am the least of the apostles, and I really don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Okay. You know, that is just, that's an incredible way to look at this whole topic of identity. So if we ask Paul our opening question, who are you, Paul? What's your identity? Paul would say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. But that's not all. He would then remind us that God's grace to him was not without effect, not without influence. God's grace to Paul really had a profound influence on how Paul lived. He says he worked incredibly hard, harder than all the other apostles. And, you know, if you don't think that's true, I would invite you again to read the book of Acts and the epistles, the New Testament epistles. And I want you to think about this. Who traversed the whole known world with the gospel message on three different missionary journeys? Who established churches everywhere he went and raised up elders and anointed them? Who wrote all of those letters to those churches, which actually turns out to be most of the New Testament that you and I read? That was all done by Paul but not of himself. Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace was not toward me without effect. In other words, the grace of God that came into my life, it had an amazing 
and an awesome effect. It extended far beyond my own life. And I want to tell you, that's what God intends for you and I. Now, your mission field may be your own children. It may be the school you teach in, the hospital where you work, the company that you hold a position in. It could be the neighborhood you live in. It could be the local school where you're very active in a a PTA kind of role. It really doesn't matter the what of it. What matters is that it's God's grace having an effect in your life and you allowing that, you embracing that. So again, Paul says, He was who he was by the grace of God, and then he let God's grace have its full effect, not only in who he was, but how he lived his life. He had received incredible divine revelations, so many, in fact, that he says a thorn in the flesh was given to him so he wouldn't be exalted above measure. And, you know, when I look at that and think about that, Paul had a lot of many, many revelations that he received, and you and I benefit from knowing what he then wrote and shared with us. So I'm going to turn it back to us, asking you the question again, who are you? You are the woman God designed and made you to be. You have the background that he chose and the family experience that he allowed You came to salvation at the perfect moment in your life, just like Paul. And like him, you are who you are by the grace of God. So my only other question to you is this. Has God's grace to you had the full effect God intended? Now, whatever your answer, and most of us will say, well, I'm not sure it fully has, but it still can have. And you can know that God's grace is having the effect that he intended. You can stop regretting anything in your past or doubting yourself going forward. His grace makes it possible for you to be all God made you to be. And that assurance is promised to you in Colossians 2, 8 to 10. That passage of scripture says this, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, in Christ, dwells all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you, oh, beautiful words, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You know, the philosophy of men and the false assumptions that they assert about us and our identity, they do not align with God's word. The world always gets it wrong. But the scriptures always tell us the truth. And in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, And in him, you are complete. He is the head over every power and force in existence. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you are complete in him. Now, that one word complete is stuffed 
full of blessed meaning for us. It means to make full, to fill up to the full, to cause to abound, to furnish or supply liberally, to complete, to fill up to the brim, to make complete in every particular, to carry through to the end, to accomplish, to carry into effect, to bring to realization, to realize in matters of duty or to perform or to bring to pass. All of that, we are complete in Him. Who are you? You are complete in Him. Full to the brim of God-designed potential, furnished with all you require to discover and accomplish everything that God has planned for you and purposed for you every day. By the grace of God, you are what you are, and His grace to you is not without effect. Now, how can I know that? How can I say that? Well, I know that because you're listening to this podcast, and the only reason you would do that is you you hope to deepen your relationship with God, to make that divine connection with Him, and in so doing, to find His will for you, for your life. Now, another idea that I shared in a previous episode kind of rounds out this truth. And it is that little piece of truth from Proverbs 29, 25 that says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. So again, our question, who are you? Well, woman to woman, let me tell you the secret of knowing your identity and of being content with it requires just one thing that your own idea of yourself must come from God and not from others. You know, I want to invite you to just let your Maker confirm in your own heart and mind the goodness, the value, the beauty, and the potential of what He made. Don't look outward for the affirmation of others. Look upward with thanksgiving and praise. Are you pleased with his work? Then give him the glory. Have you resisted his grace, maybe, and it hasn't had the full effect intended? Then repent and ask him to open your eyes and your heart to the way he has planned for you. You know, in Psalm 78, we have what I call the sad history of the children of Israel. And in part of that long psalm, it says how often they provoked him in the wilderness and they grieved him in the desert. Remember, they were there for 40 years. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. You know, it was their lack of faith that limited what God did in their lives. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written down for our admonition, which means for our instruction, our learning. 
upon whom the ends of the age have come. So when we read the Old Testament, we read the examples of Abraham, of Jacob, of Isaac. We read about Noah and what he did, or Moses as he led the children of Israel. We read about um, Hannah and how she prayed for little Samuel and then carried through with the promise she had made to God. Whoever it is in the Old Testament, Jonah, we read the stories, the things that happened to them, which are true. We use the word story, but that doesn't mean they're fantasy or fiction. They really happened to them, and God recorded those to help us learn the lessons. And so you and I can learn from what has happened to them. So we can learn from the children of Israel in their experience that they, by their lack of faith, limited what God was going to do, what he was able to do in them. A lack of faith on our part limits what God can do because you and I are not going to go along with the plan. So I want you to ask yourself, where have you been limiting God? Have you maybe just not believed you're enough? You know, you've got these kids and it's a struggle. It's a stretch. And you say to yourself, I'm just, I'm, I don't have what it takes to be a good mom. I didn't know when I got into this, it was going to be this hard. I don't have what it takes. You're telling yourself that God did not equip you, that somehow he forgot something. He overlooked something in the manufacturing process. And that somehow now you are lacking. That is not true. I want to tell you, wherever you are, and yes, sometimes we mess up our lives and we get ourselves into things, but there is no way that God can't come in and in the moment put you back on the right track. You need to keep reminding yourself that you are complete in Him. You are full to the brim and able to carry through to the end any and all of God's will. Now, as I said, maybe you're focused on your struggles with your children or with being loving to your spouse. I want you to remember what Paul said. The grace of God is intended to have its full effect in you. Now, when Paul prayed, as I mentioned, he had had that thorn in the flesh because of all of the great revelations given to him. He said, I was given that thorn in the flesh so that I wouldn't be exalted above measure. In other words, so that I wouldn't think I'm a great big deal. Okay. That's really what that thorn in the flesh was about. And Paul says, this thing was such a grief to me. I prayed about it three times. And I brought my struggle to God. And Paul says, here's God's answer to me. God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, Paul took that word from God and he let it reshape his own thinking about not only the thorn in the flesh, but also about his own weakness. And here's what Paul says. He says, therefore... Because, that's what that word therefore means, because God's grace is sufficient for me, and because his strength is made perfect in weakness, most gladly will I rather boast in my infirmity or my weakness, that the power of Christ may rest on me. We do need to flip our thinking so often. 
when the focus is on how hard something is and how inadequate we feel, that's the moment Paul says, I'm going to rejoice. Most gladly then would I rather boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest on me. You and I need to flip the switch on that and give ourselves a different script. So this week, I pray that you will let the power of Christ rest on you. And I'm aware that this is a week in which women, especially here in America, where the holidays just get absolutely crazy, we take on so much and then we get overwhelmed by it. Please, this week, as the celebration of Christ's birth approaches, I want you to be conscious that he came into this world so that you could be complete in him. Will you pray with me? Father, what is man that you are mindful of him? We know in our hearts that we are just dust, but that you looked at what you created and you said, indeed, it is very good. Now we know that in us, that is in our flesh, dwells no good thing. But because we are in truth a new creation in Christ, we acknowledge that we are complete in Him. Lord, we also acknowledge that we are temples of Your Holy Spirit, and we carry within these earthen vessels treasure. So I pray, Lord, that you help us to take the substance of our identity and the measure of our worth from you and not from those who can only look on the outward appearance. Lord, I pray you would stir our hearts to faith so that we do not limit you as Israel did. Let us not make their mistake but remind us to rely on that grace in moments of weakness, recognizing them as great opportunities for your grace to prove its sufficiency and for your power to be perfected in our weakness. Lord, we pray that you would liberate us from any care at all for the opinions and the regard of others. And let us be intent fully on being pleasing to you, our Maker. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I ask that you would share it with a few friends and consider leaving a review to help others find their way here so they kind of know what, what this podcast is all about. Maybe share if something's blessed you uh, so that they can kind of tap in and get a little taste of what we are sharing here. And as always, I'm on Instagram at Kelly J. Grace, and you can find resources to help you grow in your walk with God on the website at kellyjgrace.com. Now, next time, we'll have part two about our identity. See you then.